You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. the center of the galaxy this is the four center podcast feed and this episode is one of our deep dives our deep dive from a tall diving board into a big pool full of relaxing bakta bakta talk uh what we're talking about today can be relaxing but it can also be thrilling frightening exciting we are continuing to examine the magic of lightsaber fights this episode is part six. There are a lot of lightsaber fights, and we are breaking them up to even smaller amounts because we want to really go deep and enjoy them. Anyway, I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. 
I'm Ken Napsuck. Love all this because you're right. This particular episode is actually really comforting because we're, we're diving into The Force Awakens. And I went back to a simpler time, 2015, and it was calming. <laughs> it was relaxing. A simpler time that birthed many complex feelings and opinions. <laughs> Understandably, people want to engage with Star Wars, and this was a, a big bit of new Star Wars. And it's it's really fascinating to be getting to enough distance from Force Awakens with the entire sequel trilogy concluded now for several years and have those memories of those more innocent days, but also have it, the story and the narrative and everything be more complete, you know? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Very well. All Very right, true. we're going to get into this, but we want to let you know that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. This week, we are recommending Padawan by Kirsten White. It is a new adventure of young Obi-Wan Kenobi. I've read the first couple of pages and really enjoyed it, so if you want to dive in, you can download your free audiobook today by going to audibletrial.com slash Force Center. One more time, that's audibletrial.com slash Force Center for your free audio book. All right, Ken, are you ready to talk about lightsabers? I absolutely am. I wish I had one in my hand right now. Oh, wait, I do have my Kylo one within reach. Um, go ahead, Joseph. I'll be right back. Uh, is, is Ken Strain's Kylo like to reach his lightsaber that I hope bumps into his mic so you can really feel the excitement? <laughs> I'll catch you all up on what we're doing here. If you're just catching this episode, we've been doing this series where we're discussing lightsaber fights uh, because they are such a key part of Star Wars. On one hand, they are just the absolute cool the thrill the fun of a pulpy adventure serial action adventure space fantasy movie is all captured by lightsabers and duels with them but the duels so often tell the story they reflect the core themes the lightsabers are symbols of what the characters intend to do what they stand for all those great things and all those great uh, different needs and wants get examined in these duels so uh, we've so far discussed the original trilogy duels, the prequel battles, and now we are on to the sequel showdowns. This episode, we are diving into Kylo Ren versus Finn, Rey, and perhaps Kylo's own feelings of failure. What all is fighting in those woods? We'll talk about it. We are only talking about that fight in this episode. The duels of The Last Jedi are, are so different and so interesting uh, that we kind of wanted to have those as their own episode. Also, we wanted to contain it, so this episode was, you know, <laughs> under 72 hours. And if we tackled The Last Jedi Battles too, uh, I know us. We th There's so much to talk about <laughs> in all three of these fights. We needed to contain ourselves, right, Ken? Yeah, a little behind the curtain stuff. We might be switching like recording to, uh, 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 programs and the free version was like, we only give you two hours. I was like, well, that doesn't work for Force Center. <laughs> we'll have to use the old recording system for certain episodes, but I think this one might sneak under two hours since we were yeah. just talking about one fight. But we'll see. I have said that before and then uh, felt Massive amounts of hubris, so we will find out. <laughs> um, so like I said, we're going to dive into this Force Awakens fight, but before we do, I'm curious, Ken, to just kind of go back in time and imagine, uh, remember, what were your hopes, dreams, expectations of what lightsaber fights would be like in the sequel trilogy big picture, not just Force Awakens, but did you find yourself kind of wondering, like, we're on the precipice of this new era in Star Wars, what will this new trilogy offer us in terms of lightsaber fights? 
This is a great question. You really forced me to kind of trans- transport myself back to the beginning, right? Which is, it, it's hard to put that uh, all back in the box. And I, I think trying to, I'm trying to even go before the trailer to your your, your question, because the, the Kylo lightsaber teaser thing, which uh, lightsaber controversy aside was like, ooh, okay, now we kind of have a look at what it might be, uh, might be coming down the pipeline. I, I think I was expecting bigger, kind of more involved fights closer to the prequel style. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit more of the style, you know, we're going to talk about, you know, the prequel style, original trilogy style, both not just in uh, how they were shot, but how they looked, all those kind of things. So I think I was thinking that, uh, and then, uh, you know, I'll admit all of them were going to involve Luke Skywalker, right? And that's just kind of where my mind was. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. That's fascinating. So yeah, when, when the force awakens is announced, you're like, I can't wait to see the big Luke Skywalker lightsaber fight. You know, uh, this is uh, even before the Ignite the Green campaign that uh, led into uh, episode eight. Yeah, just, uh, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, we knew new heroes were were coming down the pipeline. I I, I never doubted that and and wanted that, was open to that. But it just, you know, made a lot of sense to me. Luke would be there and Luke would have a saber out. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, well, I I think I always wondered about the lightsaber. I think I kind of hoped, but I think I wanted him to use it in a specific way. Anyway, this is a preview for our The Last Jedi conversation, because you know what? Luke doesn't show up with a lightsaber in The Force Awakens, uh, except for uh, (laughs) staring at one uh, with a mix of emotions at the end of the film. I I was so um, consumed with lightsaber thoughts (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, from 2012, from the announcement on... I think because uh, I've always, of course, loved lightsabers like so many Star Wars fans, but even in the prequel era when uh, the films were still coming out and I had more mixed feelings about them, but I still thought about Star Wars a lot, bought a lot of Star Wars things, and, and friends who'd gotten really, really grumpy about Star Wars and, and kind of pushed me on, like, why, why are you still watching these movies? Everybody knows they're bad, you know? Um, I would always just say, like, they have lightsabers. <laughs> mm-hmm. So for me, like, lightsabers and lightsaber battles were like, even if there's lots of other things in Star Wars I'm not sure about, I always enjoy this. I always enjoy the fantasy and the symbolism of lightsabers. So I think I was kind mm-hmm. of focused on what's the new version of it going to be. And by that point, there'd been, you know, so much kind of discussion and analysis of the differences between the original trilogy and the right. prequel. You know, that original trilogy style of the the more big powerful swings and a a weight to the blades and uh, all that and then in contrast for the prequels the speed the finesse uh the kind of invention and this whole idea that luke has talked about in many an interview of well yeah these are jedi at the height of their powers so i Mm -hmm. think when i thought about that of like well who's going to be the new nick gallard (laughs) what's the new style going to be because it felt like okay if the original trilogy laid down the groundwork then the prequels reinvented it what's going to be next and that got me thinking about the like well I wonder what kind of era this is going to be. What kind of training are these characters going to have? What's going to make sense? Uh, what's going to be original and new? And, and I didn't get to kind of complete that thought. That was just the sort of, I wonder. Mm. But I feel like that is where it ended up for me is what's new about the fights in the in the sequel trilogy is that they're, I think, style-wise, are kind of a mix of the speed yeah. and the finesse of the prequel with a little bit more of the original trilogy you know big powerful swings um but i feel like what defines the sequel trilogy is all of the choreography is so character based of uh Mm. the character's level of training their attitude their experience with 
other weapons. It's so character-based. And not like the others haven't been, but I felt right. like that's the main thing that leads the sequel trilogy choreography. I, I absolutely think you're right. This is wonderful stuff, as always, for me here. But it, it just got me thinking about even where my head was at the time. Uh, you know, as, as discussed on the uh, episodes in which we looked at the prequels, I was one of those, like, I don't know, a lot of hopping and skipping and jumping around. I don't know if I like the prequel <laughs> fights as much as I did. This, that's me in, you know, 99 to 2010 range. I don't know. But then, you know, the action pulls me in. Um, so I think I had 2014, 2013 range when we're looking at this, that was still kind of in my head. Well, I, I hope they have a little bit more of the original trilogy style. And I think they do kind of settle down into a nice right in the center, wonderful mix of everything that's going on. And there are, um, I get, yeah, you're right. I want to make clear, all the other films have character moments in those fights, but this is just a really clear use of it. Um, and, and I, I think I enjoy that. Yeah. And anyways, I'm just kind of following up on what you're saying here. You, you're getting me thinking of my 2014 self and these fights, particularly Force Awakens might've been what started my journey to looking at the prequels different, the, the fights in the prequels. Mm, yeah. Yeah. No. And yeah, all of the styles, obviously all the great choreographers are, they're very character based. I, going through it and talking about it, I kind of feel like the original trilogy style is just kind of Vader's style. <laughs> you're really right Luke is learning that. to fight to kind of counter Vader and in his dark mm -hmm. moments, fight more Vader like, you know, we get a little bit of Obi-Wan. Um, and I think this, the world that we meet in the sequel trilogy era where the Jedi have been decimated. Kylo is both a dark sider who is emulating his <laughs> grandfather, mm -hmm. but has training from Luke. It kind of makes sense that uh, the most experienced fighter would have a style that is his own, but is also a kind of a combination of everything mm -hmm. we've seen before. And that the other primary lightsaber user, Rey, uh, would be based not only on her staff, but on her, her burgeoning, you know, experience mm -hmm. of, of what the force is. So it's so, so character driven. It is. I also, I love, and you, you had said this before in the uh, original trilogy discussions, but yeah, I, I love pointing at Vader and go, you know, this is all you in the, in, in the original trilogy. It's all your style. <laughs> share, share, Vader. <laughs> yeah, you should have taken a second investment and say, well, how would you like to fight? <laughs> <laughs> how do you want to do this, Luke? Yep. Uh, what style would you like to use? And Luke's like, um, I don't know the names. Uh, anyway, let's get into this great battle. Kylo versus Finn and Rey. Diving into this rumble of fate, uh, Kylo appears in the dark woods at about one hour and 50 minutes into the film, and then the battle between Finn and Kylo lasts until about one hour and 53 minutes. Not a long battle for Finn. Uh, then Ray claims the hero's blade. Seconds later, uh, the chasm opens uh, between the fighters at about one hour and 58 minutes, and we only cut away once during the entire fight uh, to Poe to po, uh, blowing up the old thermal oscillator. That's a longer scene, so there's a, a bigger break, but unlike some of the other fights, they, we don't cut back and forth to mm -hmm. lots of different scenes, lots of different narratives. We're pretty focused. It's really only divided into those two big scenes, two or three big scenes. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I... I, I, I Love the the cutaway to Poe. It's one of my uh, favorite little moments in that in that dogfight too. So this whole sequence is a lot of fun. Yeah, and at some point, this is not related to the fight, but at some point, I do need to hear like an oldie timey kind of uh, Western folk song called "There's a Brand New Hole in That Oscillator." <laughs> <laughs> the line of dialogue I've come to really appreciate. All right, so what are your current feelings on this lightsaber fight, and have they changed over the years since? 2015 
Uh, yeah, I don't know if they've changed. I've always been a fan of it. I'll tell you, watching this morning, it just seems so innocent, made that reference up top. But yeah, you just got to go back to this and it's a different time and Star Wars, Star Wars fandom and and the world in general. But this fight seems uh, just like a little rumble in the woods. How cute. And I don't mean that from like uh, an outsider, just in the story. It's like, oh, you all don't know what's going to happen. It's going to get a lot worse and it could get bigger. Uh, you're just going to have this little fight. But uh, all that aside, I, I, I loved it then. I really love it now. It is just one of my favorite fights visually. And that includes like going back to the trailer moment with Kylo that we don't actually really see in the movie. Just intrigued by, you know, we Star Wars fans love our sand planets, our forest planets, our snow planets. So to be like snow and forest planet, it was like uh, just kind of that that drew me in. And they use it so well. We'll discuss that later, of course. But yeah, just always love this fight. And now, like you had said up top, Joseph, that uh, with the whole story kind of complete, you just really go back to this one and it's and it's done with great purpose. And it is a poignant fight and a, you learn a lot and you see a lot. And 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 it's a great starting point for the, the series that's to, to come off after this. Well, these are some great fights. I love thinking of these dark woods of uh, Starkiller Base uh, slash Ilum, as we now know for sure, to, mm-hmm. to imagine this dark forest is uh, Endor and Hoth meet cute. <laughs> <laughs> it's like at a, sci- at a science lab. They're like, okay, what, what backgrounds do we need from Star Wars? Ah, snow and forest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I love that there is that famous, famous trailer moment of the ignition, the revelation of the cross guard. Uh, mm. jittering blade of Kylo, but it's a kind of a different shot in the actual movie, which I think is more effective in the movie because at that point it feels like we're aware of it. <laughs> yeah, We yeah. don't need to be yeah. introduced to it again in this shot, and it's more powerful that it's just jittering away there. Um, yeah, I, I love the environment. We'll talk more about that. So I love the look of it. I love how um, it's just dark enough for those blades to really, really glow, uh, for the blue of the Skywalker blade to really, really pop. So it looks great um i appreciated this fight a ton i always liked it um but i think in some ways i enjoyed even more now that it is uh beats in a story that you can kind of map the whole story the whole relationship Mm -hmm. for all the fighters involved in kind of the fate of the galaxy the fate of the force Uh, a couple other things that i i have really really love about it is i don't think i thought about it a ton at the time even though we discussed the narrative beats I think Mm -hmm. looking at all of these lightsaber fights, I think this is one of the most narrative fights in all of Star Wars. Like Mm -hmm. uh, the actual beats of the fight tell the story, right? Like uh, we're we're seeing where Luke is at in Bespin, right? We know where Vader is at. Vader's testing him, revelations, all that. But it's the fight's done when the big moment happens, right? When Vader Mm -hmm. reveals uh, the father truth. Um, Yeah. The fight is done when Luke looks at his hand in Return of the Jedi and, and makes uh, a different decision, right? Um, the fight is done when Obi-Wan agrees to to make that promise to a dying Qui-Gon. You know, yeah. uh, I think Ray catching the blade, Ray mm. letting the Force in, um, you know, there's so many moments of just pure, that is the story. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's almost like you're watching a musical and in musicals are always in theory, the songs are the explosion where the biggest emotion is expressed where the thing that can't be expressed in any other way pops out. But there are songs mm-hmm. where just like, yeah, that this character is totally broken hearted and it can only come out in song. And then there's the kind of songs yeah. where like if you took that song out of the musical, 
part of the plot would be gone and you wouldn't know what happened, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you took this the actual fight out. Like if you took the fight out of Bespin and still got the father revelation, you'd still know what happened. Um Yeah. And it's this. This is so narrative. It's so essential to the narrative within the fight itself. Yeah, really important. You, uh, yeah, I just saw Moulin Rouge of the Pantages. So what you're saying is, is Ray getting the saber is like when the two characters sang Gaga's Bad Romance. Is that because that's exactly that was a key point in Moulin Rouge in the play. <laughs> um, one of my favorites. Yeah, no, uh, and I was. Um, you always say such great things, and it just gets me thinking of my own journey. And I, I love kind of sharing them, even if they're they're sometimes I stumble through my past. Um, you know, 2015, again, going to a different era, but it's also a different era of uh, punditry and how you look at things, and particularly my own career and how I broke down fights or how I engaged with things and, and changed uh, my views on, on, on that and how to do it uh, definitely since then. But like there's a lot of moments in this fight that I took out on the surface, maybe took for some, some of the bigger beats for granted, uh, totally fine. And I just remember slowing down. It was one of the first times I even kind of slowed myself down to look, all right, what is this moment I actually mean, because uh, I had a couple of friends who weren't happy about Ray going, oh, that's right, the force. You just reminded me of the force. And and they weren't connecting it to what Maz had said earlier. Mm-hmm. They weren't. And it just, I remember, I remember really just going, this fight's communicated something to me. The other fights did too. We know this. Yeah. Uh, we've spent a lot of podcast episodes talking about it. But in 2015, it just was, I, I, I saw it a different way. And then I, this is one of the fights I started to engage with Star Wars a little differently. And then Force Center uh, really kicks off in 2016 after we started in 2015. And we start looking at so many deeper things and, and all those wonderful uh, themes and all that stuff. So, yeah, I, I just want to echo what you're saying. I really think this is a fight with great purpose. Yeah, yeah. And I want to be very clear. I'm not criticizing any of their fights or saying that the mm-hmm. characters' yeah. emotions or the storytelling that happens in their fights is not essential. I just think like this is, it's really affecting because there are such huge moments for the characters within this fight. Um, yeah, I think it's one of the biggest cheer moments in Star Wars. Uh, I think I saw The Force Awakens in the theater five times. And again, a more innocent, positive time. Uh, mm-hmm. But mass eruption of cheers five times <laughs> yeah in my personal experience for ray catching that blade I, obviously oh. we'll talk more about the moment but like that's it, it it's still affecting to me it's still thrilling um mm-hmm. and I, I was re-watching it for this episode i was really reminded again about just how kind of uh frightening and visceral and raw the entire fight is right uh, there is a lot of actual real physical pain. Like there's a lot of invention in how to injure people with lightsabers without killing them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or actually removing limbs. Uh, so there's a lot of just physical pain. There's blood in the snow and all of the characters are so raw and open uh, emotionally, right? This is, this isn't any trained Jedi and Sith kind of going through the motions, right? Everyone is like, how's this going to work out? Uh, everybody's feelings are uh, wide open and fallen in the snow. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. Going back to this this balance of prequel and original trilogy, of also just the era too. I think you're really right. That, and 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 how many times do I quote this? I'm going to stop quoting this, but Adam Driver's. I you know I like to control the physicality of this character. It really, you you see it here, right? Everything the everything that he does, uh, the, the 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 hammering of the injury, the stomp and the steps, all those things. But even the the angry, almost desperate hacks, all that stuff. It you just feel it. It is really raw. And, and, and real. And I, I think, um, again, that's why I love this fight so much. I always did. And you're right. There were cheers every time, uh, both when Ray getting the blade and, and Ray down in Kylo was a big cheer moment in some of the screenings I was in. So mm-hmm. yeah, it still stands up in that regard. And I, and I love it. Um, 
you know, this is a this is a post Lord of the Rings era. This is a post Game of Thrones era where you know Brienne and the Hound are biting each other's ears off and punch, punching each other in the crotch. And like <laughs> Star Wars, here comes along. It's like it needs to get, strike a little bit of a different chord, and no one's ears going to get bit off at least in this fight. But um, it, 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 a lot of things that you talk about, it, it scratches all those itches in a wonderful way. Yeah, yeah, and and not to focus on on just Ray for the the narrative. You're reminding me that you know with Adam Driver's phenomenal performance, uh, the film raises this question of Kylo has this misguided idea that if he crosses the most verboten line uh, of killing uh, someone mm. extremely close to him, that that will end his pain, end his mm. being pulled between the light and the dark side. You know, and the pain will finally be gone. So it raises this question. I think most of the audience kind of has an instinctual answer of, is that going to work? And the answer is no. But the film does raise the question of, is Kylo going to believe that? Great. Now, now I'm settled. In this mm. film, the, the fight answers that question with a resounding no. Didn't seem to work out for you. <laughs> uh, nope. Nope. Go back to the drawing board. Yeah. 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 Uh, final two kind of big picture thoughts. I think um, it, it, you know, did have a great mix of original and prequel uh, kind of choreography, but with Kylo's, you know, jittering kind of broken blade and the actual cross guard saber, it also just made the thrill part, the fight part, you know, feel fresh and inventive to me as well. Yeah, no, I like that too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, final thing about looking at it uh, in the past is talked about this before of uh, when, uh, well, I'll just say it this way. I love that Ray's Palpatine poke pays off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 I, yeah. I was I put that uh, down to talk later. Uh, yes, and I, I yeah. like the way you phrase that. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about it in more detail. But uh, mm. anybody just catching up, like we talked about that. I sure, I'm sure a bunch mm. of people joked and talked about that. Uh, there's a great um, excerpt that uh, Star Wars Minute podcast pulled out when uh, when Jennifer and I were uh, guests on Star Wars Minute talking about mm. uh, joking about like, see, I think she is a Palpatine. Uh, so we'll talk about that in more detail, but that's really fun to see with the benefit of the sequel trilogy being completed. Mm -hmm. Let's get into motivations, Ken. Uh, let's talk mm -hmm. about what is at stake for the characters, why they're fighting, what victory is for them. Uh, let's start with Finn, uh, because obviously mm -hmm. this goes into the big uh, Ray and Kylo fight, but it starts with Finn, and I want to make sure that we give Finn his due. So for you, what is what's the stake for Finn? Why is he fighting? I, I, this is a great starting point because you know there's some there's some angle with Finn and Ray of uh, I don't know avenging Han, but that's not 100 percent correct because they're they're trying to get out of there. They're trying mm -hmm. to things are happening. They need to get to the Falcon. Uh, it's old Kylo who's like we're not done yet. So um, as a Han guy, I, I want to give some people in the fight credit for for maybe avenging him, which is maybe not the right spirit. But from that, I go to this idea of uh, Finn just really fighting for what is it's so key to him in this entire series, this connection, uh, this this kind of sense of, of community that really emerges later on for him. But this is the first connection he's made in his life. Right. And and he begins a movie full of these 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 feelings that are pushing him away from the world he's he's kind of trapped in and the world he kind of was brought up in against his will. And as we know, he ru he runs away a few times, uh, I think, with you know, some good intentions deep down in his heart, but he can't connect to those. And it's this connection to Ray uh, and after him running away for the benefit of himself, 
he picks up that blade for her, right? And and that's the start of his journey. His journey doesn't end there. There's two more full movies in which that journey um, changes and, 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 and causes him to grow and, and that connection becomes uh, uh, to the community. But here in this moment, it, it's truly... Um, him fighting for this this victory condition for me, as I see it, is, it's, this, it's the safety of those, or in this case, the one person he cares about. He's fighting on a feeling that um, had, had had driven him this direction, but he he just couldn't connect with it. He, he isn't sure what was going on. We go back to the village where, you know, I think he's like affected by what's going on, but the 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 instinct is to run away from it. And he's not going to run away. And he has that moment. He's his back turned to Kylo. I love it when he fishes out that blade in the snow, kind of shakes it off and then gets up to turn around. And uh, I just love that. I love that uh, starting point for Finn. Yeah, no, I, I so agree. I think for both Finn and Ray, we'll focus on Finn, but I think for both Finn and Ray, this fight is like seeing their true spirit and, we go to the last Jedi and they kind of have stumbles, right. Uh, to get to where they need to be yeah. big picture. But this is the kind of moment where we see as the audience, like this is where they're going. This is who they can be at their best and mm-hmm. where they end up in rise of Skywalker. Um, and I think it is uh, for Finn, my one word, big picture of what is this a fight about for him is defense. Um, mm-hmm. I think that Finn has redefined himself in this film uh, he knows that he doesn't want to fight for the First Order. He tells Ray that clearly, tells the audience that clearly. Um, yeah. And I think there's that practical of like, oh, I realize that the, I've been taken as a child and told to do a thing that doesn't feel right. I don't want to just kill for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think like the deeper personal thing is, uh, it's a practical thing to say, I don't want to work for this organization. But on a personal level, I think there's a, I have allowed uh, this organization to control and dominate me my entire life. I've been frightened of Phasma and Kylo and, you know, Kylo is the big bad that I could never, never stand up to never say no to. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I think it's not, I think this fight is kind of for his own soul up to a point that he's fighting for his own freedom, his own choice and his backing up those strong words that he tells uh, Ray at Maz's castle of Mm -hmm. you know i made this choice that i would not kill for them and he's like standing up and unlike maz told him that he was somebody who runs (laughs) he he turns around right and it's basically Mm -hmm. like kylo is a symbol of that i have been allowed this organization to control and dominate me down to my soul and i'm turning around and saying no uh so i think there's that personal level but then i i totally agree with you i think there's the the more direct um Mm -hmm level of Finn has decided that he is not with the first order. He won't do what he says. He doesn't want to get involved in the war, but he has gotten such strength from this bond with Ray. And he has redefined himself as well. If I don't fight for the first order, what do I fight for? Well, I at least fight for this friend for Ray. It's why he came to Starkiller base. Right. And I think mm-hmm. it's, it it's so significant that it, it's not just a, a plot mechanic to have a two-part fight that that Kylo mm-hmm. does the big force push to Ray, right? It's seeing the threat that Ray is under mm-hmm. is what motivates him, I think, to stand up in this spirit of defense, right? Because I think it's so powerful that it it isn't like Kylo's, it isn't Finn running after him to avenge Han Solo or to avenge right. his own soul, right? It's uh, this 
organization, as represented by Kylo, just won't let me be. So I'm going to turn around and defend myself. It's everything about it is defense, which I think is great because it kind of leads towards where Finn is going in the Rise of Skywalker. This true sort of Jedi figure of defense. Yeah, no, I love this, and and even uh, you know, as far as uh, breaking from his past or breaking what he what he was, you know, the First Order stuff uh, about it. Go, you know, go back to the two and all village, right? Where he's having these moments, he's not fired, and who who's the one who's like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> and he, you know, <laughs> Kylo has that stare down moment with him, and uh, you know, uh, get, gets the advantage there. You know, Ky- uh, uh, Finn certainly cowers. Why wouldn't you? You just saw some of the stuff he's done, and you know his reputation. You've been around it, so from that. That to this moment, uh, I think you're right. It is this true break from it. And yeah, the Ray connection stuff, you know, I remember getting kind of this debate about the the, the Finn arc and all that kind of stuff. It's like he, he does not pick up that blade to join the resistance. It's not unlike Han, you know, uh, kind of skirting around the rebellion until Return of the Jedi when it's like, yeah, I'm a general. I'll fight in this now. It's, 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 he finally connects there at that moment. And I the the ray of it all is 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 important because uh, along with Poe let's give Poe and BB-8 some credit too of of connecting <laughs> with Finn but th- that's the that is why he's there that is why he's just I will figure out how the force is I got to go get my friend and that's a powerful connection it's a starting point for what's to come like you said where he ends up in Rise of Skywalker he doesn't get to that moment leading the charge connecting being the center like you and I had talked uh, and you brought up some wonderful facts and and and, and we when we discussed Finn's arc in the films or in a podcast episode a couple of years ago now. Um, mm-hmm. And it all starts with this moment. I think that picking up the blade is, is a, an intersection of all those things we're talking about. I love it. Yeah. And, and I, I do just love Finn's art. Cause I think that there is a thing that can sometimes be true in reality, where is, is people we often have an easier time having empathy for people we directly interact with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it can, we can struggle to make that empathy into a larger conceptual thing to have empathy for entire groups of people who we don't know one-on-one and, and there's too many to know one-on-one. Yeah. Uh, so you have to have this little bit of a conceptual, like I have empathy for the idea of people as well as this individual. And I, I love Finn's journey that it starts with such empathy for Ray in expanse to just uh, this beacon of empathy that he is in Rise of Skywalker for everyone and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, uh, yeah, I don't want to go down the negative path. And yes, I know yeah. he says Ray a lot in this series, but it's important. It's important. And that connection leads to so many wonderful things for him. They're the first people that looked at one another as though they were people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's, it's so powerful. Speaking of powerful, let's talk Ray. Uh, for you, what is at stake in this battle for Ray? Why is she fighting? What is victory for her? What are your thoughts on Ray? The, the big place I go to is is, is fighting to discover her, her place in the story, which is so much of her journey in this first movie, right? Before she uh, climbs those steps, it's all this legend and, and about who she is. And, you know, Han is gone. This Luke guy, this boy, is he even real? I don't even know. Uh, Finn is even down. And, and Kylo has that line, right, of it's just us now. Han Solo can't save you. And that's mm. so much of what her journey is. I thought Luke Skywalker was a myth. Uh, I want someone else to take this blade. And it's something that's still going to be at play. Uh, and, and, and her starting point, I, I believe, is, is, you know, this is a character who is such, uh, you know, just full of empathy. Uh, we start with the BB-8 antenna fix, right? In, in this particular mm-hmm. case, it, it is uh, her her connection and her empathy for Finn, who who, who is injured. And, and it, dri- again, drives her into the fight, too. Uh, I, 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 you know, she gets forced pushed away. You're right. She puts that blaster up there. But I think that moment is a little bit of unfocused 
um, fear, uh, anger, mm-hmm. the Han stuff, um, and, and and what drives her forward is that. And, and look, and once she's there, once that empathy drives her into the fight, um, I don't think she immediately like like you point out. There's some there's some beats along the way. She's overwhelmed. She's definitely scared. She's running on raw talent and energy. Um, which by the way is much like at the, the resistance at this time in the fight, like literally you see cut back to Poe kind of, uh, I don't know what we're going to do. What are we going to do? Oh wait, we have an opening. <laughs> we're just kind of there. And then we know, you know, we'll go into the deeper stuff there, of course, but when she calms down, does what Maz says and all those kind of things, she truly finds herself, right? That's what that, those moments are. Uh, even when the blade, the blade, the blade comes to her, she, she, you know, slash calls it and all that, that, that moment. Um, a lot of us can get our purposes kind of shown, right? Revealed. And you still got to take the step forward. You still got to find yourself in that. And that's what I think what the end of it uh, does. Uh, she finds what's always been there. Uh, what we all have inside of us, a purpose, an identity, and a place in the story, long journey ahead. So to me, the victory, um, whether or not she knows she's fighting for that, is the discovery of Ray. It's That's what's mm-hmm. at stake for her here. Yeah, the discovery of kind of standing on her own two feet. Like, obviously, she is, you know, she fights with her staff. She has mm-hmm. a, lives on, in, on Jakku in a harsh environment. And there's this part of her that I think is like, yeah, no, absolutely. I, I fight. I'll I'll stare down Unker Plot and I'll beat up his thugs and I'll run after somebody right. who I think is, you know, I, I'll, I'll knock Tito <laughs> mm-hmm. off his mm-hmm. lug of beast. I don't care. She is a fighter for sure. Um, but I also think there's there's part of her that is consumed with with fear that's a much more emotional fear than a physical fear, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the fear that her parents aren't actually ever coming back and that need uh, for connection from a parental figure. I think you're so right to point out that uh, that's that's Kylo's first attack, right? That uh, mm-hmm. Han Solo, this new father figure you found, can't can't look out for you. It's just you alone, Ray. And I think that is cutting to her fear. So mm-hmm. I love what you say about like the victory condition being uh, finding her identity. But I kind of think that what what she's fighting and how she ends up with that victory is by facing her fear. I think mm-hmm. in some ways what she's fighting in this fight is her own fear. And yep, uh, just out, out of fear, uh, she she takes a pot shot at, at Kyle. She doesn't even get a, mm-hmm. a shot off, right? And No, right, no. Right? And this, uh, yep, you can't do it. He pushes her away right away. Um, and mm. she, you know, I think both both her and Finn are, are running. You know, they're, they're not trying to yep. con- <laughs> confront yeah. this. Um, she doesn't want to be a part of this narrative. She's run away from the blade. She doesn't want this. You know, everything we've been seeing her doing on Starkiller Base is, is what she's great at, which is just pure survival, right? Yes. Um, and I think once Finn is horrifically injured she sees that their their connection of empathy i think that is you know she has multiple awakenings i think that's a real awakening right of mm-hmm. like why did she ask for the blade why did she accept the blade in that moment and to me because she doesn't want to i think right. she's afraid to find her place in the story she's afraid to look for her place in the story because what if she doesn't have one you know uh what if her parents mm-hmm. are never coming back what if she is just a scavenger and should always be alone right and i think it's that fear that she pushes past to say like i am afraid of what's behind uh the Mm. door that's labeled except lightsaber (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah but i am going to face that fear instead of just running from it you know Mm -hmm. and i I think at this point 
uh, in their relationship. They've had this uh, this connection and they've seen into each other's mind and she's seen some of Kylo's weaknesses. But mm. I think Kylo to her at this point, he is just a symbol of fear. He is just like yeah. literally a dark monster stalking her in the woods. Like, I'm yeah. not a threat to you. I'm trying to run away from you and you won't let me go. Like, it's just this fearful monster just chasing chasing you down and literally yelling, face me, you coward, face me, right? Yeah. And I think her victory, her, her first victory of accepting the lightsaber is just saying like, okay, I will face you. I yeah. will face uh, yeah. this fear that you represent. Um, and then taking, you know, th- this next step uh, of victory to uh, not just accepting the blade, not just accepting that she has no choice but to fight if she wants to defend uh, Finn and defend herself, but accepting this large this connection to something larger than herself in the force is you know i think another moment of of facing the fear you know and i think we so many people so so many of us uh, face those kinds of fears anytime we try to do something big or different right yeah (laughs) or sometimes you know if you're creative type some i think it's that kind of fear we're just like i want to write something i have all these ideas but that blank page is real scary that, that's the lightsaber flying at me. <laughs> yeah. And do, yeah. do I catch it or not? Because if I catch it, there's the possibility of even greater failure, right? And I think it's yeah. that kind of fear that she's facing. I really love that you're connecting to that. You, you and I have, uh, you know, certain experiences that are going to make us think of, of that kind of creative pursuit. But I think it's a, a, anything in, in, in life. Uh, for me, it's, you know, I've, I've had this long, weird relationship with stand-up that I've loved and hated. And, and sometimes that microphone has flown into my hand and it's like, great, yeah, I'd love to do this. <laughs> oh, man, I don't know what that means. And I don't know who I am with that microphone. And I and I have to discover it. And I have to open and close my mind and just hear my own voice. And uh, and I think that's part of it. I also love, uh, if I made this idea, you know, you're talking about Ray, the survivor. She's truly the survivor, has this great strength because of that. Oh, but you're so right of just, you know, there's so much of this film is about, well, my parents, uh, they're going to come back, right? Right, 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 right. No, no, I got to face that. Oh, oh, great, Han. Even Chewie, like, oh, I got all these folks are, yay, Finn. And it's like just a simple, simple concept of, nah, nah this is your chance and your time to, to stand up. And like we keep saying, obviously, more journey to come, more self-discovery, more challenges, more obstacles. Uh, you're going to need to learn a lot about yourself more, but this is the big starting point. And, and I think uh, you know, these three or four beats in the fight are uh, the key steps in, in Ray's journey forward. Yeah. And it's like she accepts the blade in the fear and facing it in that moment uh, to help defend Finn if he's even alive, to to save her own life, to push past against that mm-hmm. fear. And pretty much as soon as she's done with that, it's like, great. Now I'm going to spend the next chunk of time trying to give this blade away. So it is this yeah, sort of like, yeah. to me, this this peak of like, no, you have a place in the story. That lightsaber is telling you, you have a place in the story. That lightsaber wants you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fate wants you uh, and you need to work through, you know, your fear and get back to this moment that she's in here. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a great point. Oh, I love that point of of uh the rest there's some reminders the rest of the story like hey hey remember what you did when you stood tall you could do that you got to discover that and and that was the first part let's complete it yep exactly so let's talk kylo for you Mm. why is Mm. kylo fighting uh we can go emotional we can go practical (laughs) i think there's a lot going on with old kylo where does your mind go uh, this is where my, because this is a, this overall, this fight is self-discovery and identity, right? This is kind of what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this fight work makes sense for this film. 
Um, I, I, I just put down that Kylo is fighting to confirm that he is the big baddie that he wants to be, uh, that he is what everyone <laughs> thinks he is. I am Kylo Ren. I'm not Ben Solo who just killed my dad. I am Kylo Ren. Uh, that is what he's here for. I'm going to prove to the world that I am the monster that I wish I am, but probably in my heart, not, not so sure about that. Yeah. Oh man. I so agree about the big picture. Uh, I think it is all about proving his power to himself, uh, while fighting on easy mode, which we can talk about more. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 Cause again, you know, I love the, love this, uh, you know, he stops them. I always he's also like he's confronting witnesses to his weakness. Like I, yeah. you saw that. You you saw that. You saw me do that. I gotta kill you and take take you out for that. You witnessed my weakness. Yeah. I, I think that he has been wrestling with the with weakness this entire film, right? He's chasing mm-hmm. the dark side because he's been uh he's believed the lie that that is the way to fully be himself and to fully own his own destiny and that other people have tried to uh, control him. He he's not open to the idea that Snoke is doing the exact same. He's not open to the idea that he's just transferred his, his fear of failing Luke Han Leia uh, over to failing his grandfather Vader. You know, he's not dealing mm-hmm. with any of that. It's just uh fear that he's not going to be good enough. Right. And in, in this movie, Snoke has doubted him and challenged him. Go even, even you, Master of the Knights of Ren. I, I don't know if you can do this. We shall see. Yeah. Um, Hux has mocked him. Right? He's yeah. doubted his own commitment to the dark side out loud in front of <laughs> the yeah. Vader mask. So we know that he is doubting his, his power. And I, what I love about this is he does not chase them for any great strategic purpose, right? They don't, he, no. He's not really trying to get anything from them. It's not like he's still after BB-8, right? Mm-hmm. It's He's just trying to prove himself, you know, trying to quiet his doubts uh, by killing his father only left him more confused and feral, so he's going to quiet them in this other way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's a. This is one of my weird, uh, obtuse references, but in the, uh, the the movie version of about a boy, uh, when uh, uh, Hugh Grant and Rachel Weisz are just starting to date, and they and they, you know, Marcus and, and her son meet, and then he he's being a real, real prick, and finally the kid like screams, "My mom doesn't love him. He loves me. She loves me." He just kind of loses it, like, "No, no, she loves me." I just go to that scene, uh, and Kylo just going. I am a badass. Doesn't everyone? I am the badass here. <laughs> yeah. He's punching himself and he's bleeding and he's uh, he's unbalanced and he's yelling and he's like, "No, I'm the badass." That is really, really great. Uh, here, here's my weird uh, personal life reference that I was thinking about in this fight. It, it, we'll talk more about kind of the the actual fight dynamics, the fight levels. Uh, but watching this fight again, I feel like this entire fight, uh, Kylo is just kind of he's fighting on easy mode right he's mm. he kind of doesn't take finn seriously and then uh when he wa- when he wants to be done with finn he's done with finn uh yeah. even when ray stands up to him he's just chasing her you know he, he's not going for any kill shots he's just be- he's just battering her down you know mm. he's not taking this fight particularly seriously and uh in in except for the moments where he suddenly has to uh and it just it reminded me there were times in my life when I worked at uh Kinko's in downtown mm-hmm. Minneapolis and it was incredibly uh stressful because it was uh, very busy with a mix of like high powered uh extremely wealthy clients who expected exactly what they wanted when they wanted it and frankly a lot of people who are you know r- really struggling uh in life so like 
almost everybody who is in a Kinko's was upset that they had to be in a Kinko's. <laughs> and can, you make, can you make that the business motto? Kinko's. We know you don't want to be here. <laughs> it really is Kinko's. Nothing you want here is the actual thing you want. The only things you are making here are things to try to get you something you actually want. This is a space you have to be on a journey to a place you actually want to be. Plus, Kinko's has been constructed. Uh, you know, it's it's not the same, I don't think, at FedEx offices, but I don't know uh, uh, these days. But it was basically be like, hey, what if you had a restaurant where uh, all of the, the diners could see directly into the kitchen and yell at the chefs to make theirs first. <laughs> that is the way Kinko's was built. So anyway, point was, it was extremely stressful. Um, mm-hmm. And some days I just come home and just feel like so rattled and just like need to feel in control of something, right? Yeah. Um, and I would play the video game uh, Perfect Dark, which had <laughs> like settings where you could create a bunch of Sims. And I think in one of them, I believe was called Meat Sims because they were just the dumbest AI opponents possible. And I can't mm-hmm. remember what the max was. Maybe something like 16. I would set a map with like 16 regenerating meat sims. And I would just <laughs> run around and crush them in perfect dark. Because then it, it just, it, you know, it made, yeah. maybe it was immature. Maybe it was uh, uh, wisely cathartic. I don't know. Uh, but it like, it, it restored balance and made me feel like yeah. I had control uh, over myself and my life again. And watching this fight again, it feels like, I think Kyle's treating them like meat sims. of like... Uh, I want to prove myself, but I can't deal with anything challenging. Uh, and I think both of these these uh, weaklings will fall easily before, you know, my heritage, my training, my might. I, I, I love that. I, lo- I love everything you're saying here, uh, especially the video game stuff. But, yeah, when he looks up, it's like, all right, so you got these witnesses to his weakness, his, his weakness. I'm going to go get them. And I think even in the beginning, he's like, nope, stop. And he's like kind of, play, you know, the, some of the blade moves. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. This is going to be great. This is going to be yep. great. I can't wait to just kill you and kick your asses. Oh, this is the best. Yep. Yep. And I think on top of it, it's like, I mean, I think he he, he would have just, you know, after what happened with his father, he would have just, you know, chewed through uh, anybody to feel powerful. Uh, but both of these characters have contributed to him feeling weak, right? Yeah. Uh, Finn, in theory, is a weak, pathetic, nobody traitor uh, who broke his programming and made a fool out of Kylo, right? Uh, by by escaping. Um, Ray is an unimportant scavenger girl. There's a lot in Force Awakens about the kind of sickness of class attitudes and labels, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Ray is an unimportant scavenger girl, but she saw inside kylo's mind and exposed his fear of not living up to the legend right mm-hmm. uh so i think he sees them both as like easy targets to prove his power uh, on this instinctual uh, emotional level and also like hey if i can squash anyone who's ever made me feel weak that'd be great i will squash these two bugs who made me feel mm-hmm. weak how did they do that they're bugs there's, yeah. there's no reason they should have made me feel weak yeah which i we, you and i've talked a lot it's one of it's a lot of people's favorite uh, moment there or you know that that dual inter- interrogation scene with ray and, and kylo i always go it's like kylo's first defeat I'll, I'll take my helmet off look at my beautiful hair i'm kylo ren oh damn it how did you know that and he's just he's on balance he's on shaky ground the rest of the film i love it and yeah and then the, the finn that's a great point about finn of just like this dumb fn 2187 just just made me look like a fool in front of my bosses 
Yeah, a number made me. Kylo mm-hmm. Ren, Masters of the Knight of Ren, looked dumb. That's, mm, mm. Yeah. And then I, I think the the uh, the injuries pile up for Kylo. And then to add, you know, he, he doesn't get what he wants from killing his father. Uh, they, they aren't as easy as he expects uh, to just waltz through while he's grievously injured. Uh, but then on top of all that, they are trying to beat him with the symbol of his legacy. Yes. And that the, the fact that we start with that lightsaber belongs to me, that's such a great picture of entitlement that like that lightsaber is a symbol of everything I would like to reject and also give it to me because it's mm-hmm. mine. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that because, you know, Kylo was just, you know, he's, he's angry. He's pounding his injury, which, which was still one of my favorite little details. Yeah. And even sometimes we, you and I can talk about it deeply here, uh, and I want to hear your thoughts on. It. I still don't know why I love it as much as I do. I from the moment he did it, I was like, "That's just that's a wonderful choice. It's a wonderful thing." And the detail, the blood falling on the ground, and Chewie's bowcaster kind of setting that up. I just love all that stuff. But he's mad at himself. He's mad at his weakness. He, he he's mad that deep down he knows he didn't solve anything. And these I, I wrote down in my notes that these dummies are trying to stand up to Kylo Bleep and Ren, trying to honor <laughs> Han Solo. Not on my watch. And so this idea of victory for Kylo Ren is like the complete annihilation of Ben Solo. And he wants that saber to prove mm. it, right? It's so much about that saber. That line is such a such a little kid line. That saber's mine, man. It's mine. I deserve it. It's my family name, my family blade. How dare the force send it to someone else? Yeah. Yeah. And and it really is that this, you know, mixture of like, I reject that that lineage you know and i Mm -hmm. I picked this superior lineage um and i don't need to be defined by uh parental figures but father figures but also (laughs) i deserve that you know so he's it's like this weird twisted pride in being uh, a skywalker well especially uh you you factor the lore santeca stuff at the beginning of lore santeca is like you'll never escape your name and he's (laughs) i'll kill you how dare you say that but i do want that blade I'm sure he'd be in like if somebody like posted this in on Reddit, Kyle would be like, "I only wanted it because it was Anakin's prototype blade before he made his cool Vader blade." Uh, so yeah, I think we're real aligned on on yeah. on Kylo. It is so much about uh, proving his power. But there is a switch toward the end, and I, I do want to ask you if you feel like Kylo is in the fight initially to truly prove his his power, and there are stumbling blocks on the way because he is not at his best. Uh, what what do you make of the you need a teacher moment? I can show you mm. the ways of the force that he says to Ray. Uh, I, I love that you pointed that out because it, it's it's a little bit of a gear shift. I think it's still in the same uh, ballpark. I still it's about uh, you know who we, you know if, if he senses what's going on right. He, he's attuned to the force enough even through his anger and his imbalanced state. Like he sees what's going on. Um, he feels probably what's going on, both maybe the confusion in her and the power, right? He sensed it from the beginning. Hey, that's why he keeps telling his boss, no, I'm telling you, man, I'm telling you. Yeah, she, oh, she's a dumb scavenger. Trust me, trust me. She's dumb. She's nothing. But you should be afraid of her because look what she did. And so I wonder, uh, my, my thought back to you, uh, Joseph, is, is the idea of, of him going, but you know what? I, I'm such a badass Kylo Ren that I bet I could uh, mold her. I bet I could control her and grow her power. And then that would be to my advantage. Uh, whether he's not, he's, he's thinking about rule of two and Sith ways and Snoke. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's in the back of his head. But I just think it's part of that. If I'm truly Kylo Ren, what I'm sensing in her, Kylo Ren can fix. And she needs me. And I know that's her weakness. She's right. She's starting to win. Because I've told her you have no place in this story, uh, you know, that Han Solo's not saving you. And ooh, they're starting, I'm starting to feel something switch here. So let me just 
just put that, you know, knife in the wound a little bit more. No, 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 no. You're, you, I know what you're feeling, but I'm going to get you there. You need me. And it's the start of that kind of uh, give and uh, take and that horrible push-pull in their relationship. Yeah, no, I really love that. I think it it, it really does set up. They, they don't have that level of intimacy yet that they developed in The Last Jedi, but they've, they've felt the beginning of it yeah. through that connection. As he tells Snoke, he knows that she's uh, powerful, right? And I think he's yes. just kind of just playing with her, battering her defenses, um, like we've seen, you know, Vader do, uh, so he can, you know, have the conversation that he wants. Um, mm. But I think, yeah, on a practical level, I don't know that it's the first thing on his mind of like, ah, I am going to follow the old traditional rule of right. two. I will uh, turn her into my dark apprentice and then we'll destroy mm-hmm. Snoke. I think he's, I think he's uh, fine with all that, you know, but yeah. I think it's a much more emotional moment where, it is to me about fear and entitlement and power of his first reaction is you are nothing. You're a scavenger girl. Okay. Well, you got in my mind <laughs> Yep, yep. and you're, and now you're, you continue uh, to fight me. The blade came to you. So like the evidence is piling up of like, well, I, I can't just write you off as a, as not having power. Yeah. Uh, the next way I will try to be in control is tell you, you can only have power if I'm your teacher. It's like this mm-hmm. weird sort of like um, uh, force gatekeeping of like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't want uh, this, uh, my other friend to be a fan of Star Wars, but they seem to be coming a fan of Star Wars. Uh, I will be make that okay by saying, okay, I'll tell you what episodes uh, to watch and in what order. I'll be in control of your fandom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some bigger stuff at play too. Things we've talked about, and just in terms of the empire and the, and the powers in the galaxy, who say, "Don't worry, you don't have to worry about those rebels. Uh, don't worry about them at all. Oh, but you should fear them and give all of your uh, <laughs> give all of yourself to me. I'll keep you safe." It, it's definitely in line with that. Yeah, yeah. And then I think, yeah, on a, on a practical uh, level, I, yeah, I'm sure he's I'm sure he's fine with destroying Old Snoke. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and and you're so right. I'm gonna highlight again. Like, I don't think he's like, oh gosh, you know, I read the rule of two thing. Luke and I had that conversation. No, but it's just that instinctual kind of like, all right, all right, I'm Kylo Ren. I can make this work, and you need me. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, yeah, great stuff. So let's talk about the environment here uh, before we take a break. Uh, for this lightsaber fight, how does the environment help tell the story or contribute to just the thrills of the battle? Yeah, it's, uh, as we said up, uh, up top, but at the time, just a little peak of snow and trees was something really unique and, and, and different to, to me. And maybe other people like, I don't know, it didn't, didn't, didn't do much for me. I, I just always loved it. Always loved it. Again, visually, one of my favorites, everything about it. And I love the making of, and, and we'll talk about some of the realities of the filmmaking going into this fight. Uh, but it did, it go, you had kind of said something about this up top, made me think of it, uh, just this little bit of the, I don't know, three kids lost in the woods vibe. It's a fairy tale. And are, mm-hmm. do, you, do you have enough breadcrumbs to lead you back out? Can you discover yourself there and get through this real kind of, uh, you know, fairy tale vibe? Uh, and then you add in that the crumbling planet just added a wonderful kind of sci-fi slash fantasy element of danger and exploding world, right? Uh, Made me mm-hmm. even think of Star Trek uh, at the time. And I just like the use of that there. Uh, it all just kind of, Adds up. It's just a wonderful bunch of little ingredients that take this uh, tiny fight. Like you said, time wise, it's it's one. It's a, a big crescendo moment in in the movie, but it 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 it, it it's it's shorter fights. But we're coming off of Revenge of the Sith, where we just sat down mm-hmm. for a longer time. Um, so I think uh, I I think the environment really just helps tell uh, the, the story there. 
Yeah, this is one of my favorite environments for a fight. It so matches where the characters are, what's going on with them. It's so evocative. I think it's, I think all the locations are are pretty great at, you can put on your sort of analysis hat and really say like, well, what are the similarities to other media? Well, you know, let's examine the feelings that it, it, it evokes. Uh, but uh, they also work on a gut level uh, without any analysis. So just, I, I, I feel these feelings. I don't even need to uh, analyze them or give name to them. I feel them, right? Yeah, yeah. That's in many ways the goal of storytelling. Um, and this, I think, is one of the most effective at you can feel it in your gut <laughs> and then you can move on to putting words to those feelings and those connections. And yeah. I think it's because it feels ancient, um, particularly mm, mm, for, right. for somebody who has grown up uh, like you and I have in a culture of this specific kind of folktales. Uh, maybe it lands different uh, with other cultures. So I just want to be sure to speak from our culture <laughs> yeah, yeah. rather than any monoculture. But for, for you and I who grew up in a world dominated uh, by these kinds of European folk tales, right? This is the Brothers Grimm in space. This is like, mm. yeah, freeze the frame and see if you can find a gingerbread house in the background, <laughs> right? I mean, it's, and, yeah. and if you go to kind of like the, the nature of what folk tales and myths are, that they are the stories of, of different cultures and yeah, different cultures across the world can, can have similarities, but the, the stories kind of uh, shift as different cultures get different priorities and are trying to communicate something, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of the folk tales that this, uh, scene is evoking uh, what what do dark snowy woods mean well you know the woods are thick and mysterious you don't know what's in there the snow makes it even more like cold and isolating and you can't be out there forever and it really becomes all of these stories are about uh what happens when children are lost and alone out in a place that they're maybe not quite ready for mm-hmm. and there are monsters mm-hmm. out there it's so stories of what happens when kids are taking their first step into the world and dark and bad things are around? How are the kids going to step up? That's yep. that's what a lot of these dark snowy wood folktales are. And that's exactly what's happening to mm-hmm. Finn and Ray of the, the adults are gone. There's literally a monster stalking you. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, how are you going to be able to face your fear and turn around and face it? So it's not, it's aesthetically cool as hell to me. It looks great, yeah. but yeah. it has such a deep meaning that's fun mm-hmm. to vocalize and talk about, but I also just feel it in my gut. Yep. Yep. Just yeah, the way, yeah, the way, yeah, the way it looks, the way it feels, even him, the monster stomping after them. And again, I think he's also a little kid in that forest too, but uh, especially for Ray and Finn. Yeah. Ah, yeah. And it stands out, man. I just, yeah. The, from the trailer to the movie to now, I just love this look. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it, it works really well for Kylo. I love that you point out that in, in some from Finn and Ray's perspective, he's the monster. But yeah. uh, we know in his soul, he's the lost, lonely kid who got lied to and sold a bill by, you know, Snoke slash Palpatine. And it literally just removed his his father figure mm-hmm. <laughs> is out there flailing around more on more than any of them. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think that it, it's great that this place, much like I think Mustafar just, you know, kind of blatantly reflects that's Anakin. They're fighting on Anakin's soul, you know, Uh, this place is Kylo. It is caught between the light and and the dark. Um, Especially Mm -hmm. if you want to dive into the fact that, well, it was Ilum. It was a Jedi stronghold for, for a place of peace 
and self-examination where you could connect with something more spiritual by facing your fears and connecting with the kyber crystal. Now it's been turned and twisted. This beautiful, peaceful place has been twisted into an awful weapon. And, and that's Kylo too, right? Caught between mm-hmm. the light and the dark. And now in the midst of this battle between light and dark, it's literally falling apart. <laughs> yeah. Just like Kylo is emotionally. Yeah. Ah, well said. Love it. Yeah. The ilum of it all is... Uh... Sometimes I wish that had been a little bit, you know, more established and clear. And that's just kind of um, a lore thing there. But it, it still remains, right? It's still, and it only adds to it once you kind of uh, factor it in a little bit later on. But uh, yeah, it's all there. Into the woods, these kids go. Into the woods. Yeah. Yeah. And I love the Ilum thing because, yeah, if, if you're not a deep dive Star Wars person, if you're somebody like, I just watch the movies and I want I want the movies to stand on their own, uh, I think the story works incredibly well. And then if you have the Ilum level and you mm-hmm. want to bring that all that canon and storytelling in it, it it only supports what's already there and makes it richer to me yeah i agree excellent well we're going to take a quick break and we will be back to finish our discussion of the rumble in the dark woods back in a moment a lot can happen in three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And we are back to continue Magic of Lightsaber Fights Part 6. We are talking Kylo versus Finn versus Rey versus feelings uh, we're going to talk about the filmmaking ken when you watch this fight what realities of filmmaking do you think about in terms of uh, choreography the time it was made the choices all that kind of stuff yeah i go to you talk about the time it was made i go to this this fight this lightsaber fight having this immense pressure on it as we've kind of hinted at before and discussed this was the first lightsaber fight in a long time Clone Wars, I, 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 we love Clone Wars, but I'm putting that on the shelf for a little bit. For the general public, this was the first kind of like on-screen live-action fight. Uh, and let's just, uh, this could have been the Luke moment, right? The saber moves. And I thought Luke mm. in, the, in the theater, even Mark Hamill has said, oh, I watched it. I thought that could have been me. And sometimes you just want to go, Mark, eh, just, just <laughs> sit in the corner. Uh, so the, the big reality to me is that this fight, it, it's about what this fight needed to do and what it set out to do. It's what the filmmakers wanted to do, not maybe what the fandom in general. I don't mean that as an insult, but just because, again, I'm sitting in the theater going, oh, oh, I forgot Luke. Yeah, Luke might pop up here. Like, oh, the lightsaber's moving. That's definitely going to Luke. Like, all that was there. And, I, and I, I've said before and written before that um, this, this, we might not have been, that's a general, we might not have been ready for a new hero, but this fight was telling you, don't worry, you are ready for it. And, and it needed to set out to do that. Um, and I think that makes it a real brave sequence to me. The fight stood up for what the film believed in. And mm. that's kind of the reality around it. Yeah. I, yeah, I think I, I think that's what I think about a lot is I, I think this fight is thrilling. It's got a lot of great, fun, cool moments. It looks visually, you know, exciting on just the sort of thrill and adventure serial. And who's going to win? How? Are they, I think the stakes are high because Kylo's mm -hmm. clearly powerful. He's clearly, you know, not in a good place mentally. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. in there is really like, how are those two going to get past him? Um so the the stakes are high, and I feel like what makes this fight uh, great in my mind is it's mostly just concerned with the story, right? It isn't mm -hmm. concerned too much with some of those questions that uh, we were talking about at the top of like that I was obsessed with of like what is the official sequel trilogy lightsaber fighting style, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it's a good fight. It's not trying to be like the you thought Revenge of the Sith was great. We're gonna blow it away, right? It's just so focused on. Yeah, we want it to be thrilling. Yeah, it's a Star Wars movie. We want, we want to have a good lightsaber fight, mm -hmm. uh, but it's not obsessed with the fight. It is obsessed with the storytelling in the fight, you know? And I, I think that's maybe what I think about is that that this uh, fight is so focused on being an important revelatory part of the story not it, it's not trying to get ranked number one as the coolest mm -hmm. fight ever it's about the characters 
Yeah, you just you just said some things that I just love in there, my friend. I really love what you're saying. You know, when when I say this this fight stood up for what the film believed in, it's kind of what you're talking about there. Is because it, it had this, it, you know, weird pressure, this very palpable pressure of being a fight that it was as big as some of the prequel fights. But we all, again, because you have jerks like me on early podcast days going, it needs to be more like the original trilogy, which to me means, I don't know, grounded and so-called real, whatever that means to me at the time and others. And it succeeds in a lot of that areas. And there's a lot of digital effects in this fight and more than they sold us in 2015, right? They added some trees. Uh, Ava DuVernay with some great notes to JJ on how to, how to change mm-hmm. some things here. All that's there and it looks beautiful, but you're so right. It wasn't like they, they knew they had some time. They knew other films were coming. They knew this was the launch of, of the era. And so it's big. It, it, it's its own fight, but it just it just does what it wants to do and what it needs to do for the saga versus um, what we all might have wanted. You know, we can throw our Mecha Luke jokes out there and all that kind of stuff. But this is even before that. Right. It's before Last Jedi. Um and and it it was like we 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 are we are we need to do this. We need to give you a new hero. We need to answer bigger questions. And I, I love what you're saying. It didn't look in the past and go great. We're gonna get on a screen rant top ten list with this fight. <laughs> it did what it wanted and needed to do. I really love that. Yeah, and at the same time, like I said at the top of the episode, I feel like it answered that question of uh, what is the fighting style look like in this era. I was like, well, there isn't one unified style. It is character based and i feel like this uh fight does such a great job of showing it we're we're introduced to uh the idea that finn would have kind of basic proficiency with staff weapons you know we see Mm -hmm. him fighting the riot control baton guy and you know it's a a fine you know uh to me leap of of uh sort of uh storytelling faith that yeah he, he he's familiar with those kind of weapons he trained with those weapons he's fighting with it like it's a baton right mm-hmm. um and he's he's just he is just proficient <laughs> yeah he just keeps himself alive for a, a few minutes in this fight he is not taking it uh to kylo so that's all flowing yeah. from finn and his life experience um i think with ray's fighting style uh, we get the very staff-like, which is well-established in the film, the very staff-like uh, Palpatine pokes, <laughs> uh, the battering rams and the, the defensive, uh, uh, you know, strikes and just wild swings at trees and at Kylo to keep him farther away until she lets the force in, right? Yeah. And then it's so great that we see like a peak of uh, at what her style is going to be. And I feel like when she lets the force in, it's not like, yes, the force can, uh, you know, control your actions, but it also obeys mm-hmm. your command. But it's also somewhere in between, right? And I feel like sometimes uh, this idea of letting the force in is just being like, open yourself to your own instincts. And I feel yeah. like that that's her opening herself to her own instincts, right? Of mm-hmm. of feeling the difference of um, between yeah. the blade and the staff, of uh, having watched what Kylo is doing with the blade and becoming more much more flowing right uh much th- there's not fear now there's uh precision and confidence in the way that she is uh spinning that blade around so it's all character based um mm. for everybody including kylo right i yeah. was so happy to watch this again and just see like uh, what's kylo's uh style uh with the lightsaber showboating like mm-hmm. There's so many little uh, flips and flourishes. There's a cockiness to it. And there's almost like a, um, I am going to, uh, you know, 
beat you up while also showing you that I'm totally proficient in this exact kind of boxing style that mm. I learned at Harvard. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. there to me, there's a cockiness to it of like, look, you, you, you people don't even know the forms and I'm switching <laughs> uh, from form to form to show you how much more I know than you do. Right. Uh, there's just like, there is a mm. sense of years of training and showboating and and falling apart like yeah. every time he's kind of pressed he 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 does have some like wild feral swings but but yeah, then when yeah, he's yeah. kind of like oh i gotta take this seriously suddenly he has sort of like elegance and form and you know mm-hmm. he's spinning and and you know you can see the you can see the the slash start from his foot and travel through his core and come out of his hand like you know there's flowing energy of somebody who's clearly trained <laughs> i'm gonna <laughs> This is great. This is where I'm going, Joseph. I apologize in advance if this uh, sounds like shade to anyone out there. It is not. This is a general cover. Kylo is a lore master who never misses a trivia question. <laughs> wins every Star Wars trivia bar crawl uh, night. Ray is going, that's awesome. But what does it all mean? <laughs> Kylo's like, it just means form nine, form nine. Ching, ching, ching. She's like, hey, let it in. What does it do to you? How does this feel? How does this affect you? Uh, what is this about? Oh, mm. love it. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. And yeah, and that, <laughs> in terms of, uh, you know, what the filmmaking uh, makes us think of, um, I, I continue to feel like Force Awakens was really well constructed uh, to be seen the first time and then to be seen for years and to be seen by different generations. I think, yeah. uh, I think JJ Abrams is a filmmaker in the Lucas and Spielberg uh, school. Who's like, I want to do what I want to do, but part of what I want to do is always think about the audience and think about Mm -hmm. how they're going to react. And so I, I always feel like the image of the Skywalker blade dancing around in the snow was meant to be seen by people who had a deep affinity and connection to the original trilogy, either grew up with it, maybe they found it it, two years earlier in 2013, but they love it and they've seen it a million times. If you have an affinity to the original trilogy, you're seeing The Force Awakens for the first time and you're wondering when Luke is going to pop up. I feel like that that shot is constructed to make you feel like it might be Luke, to only heighten that it's not. Ray doesn't need another parental figure right now. She doesn't need a hero or a myth from the past. She needs herself into accept that she's strong. So I think it, if you have all of that, that Luke on Hoth baggage, mm-hmm, uh, I mm-hmm. think it only heightens it. And then yeah. I think it's really well constructed because I've, I've seen other people on, on social media going, what are you talking about? Yeah. I never yeah. thought that, you know? Right. Uh, right. It, and I think to me that comes from, if this is the first Star Wars film you saw and you have none of that baggage, none of that question of maybe it's Luke, it also works great because it's just telling the yeah. story. The Luke thing yep. to me is uh, it, it enriches it. Yep. Yeah. And, yep. And it's such from our perspective, right? And and yep. that's a lot of what this movie is is saying is it, 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 its own perspective. That's why I go to this idea of just this fight did what the story needed to do. I think you're, I think you're, 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 you're so right. And, and, and I do understand that there was just a, a lot of the audience and this then bleeds definitely more into Last Jedi. I totally get it. But a lot of the audience just just wasn't ready. But the film said, don't worry, you don't need to be ready. This is for the people that need this that need Ray, that need Finn, that need the new heroes, that need the new generation. That's part of this story too. We're going to deal with the old generation. We're going to deal with what the legends do to those who were the legends. We got that going mm-hmm. on. 
Uh, but this moment is is something bigger, yeah. And, and and it boils down, you know. Again, it boils down to Hulu, the Hoth baggage. I love that you call it the the Hoth baggage. <laughs> read a, a, an essay about that. So, anyways, uh, and I agree with it. I agree. I agree with what you're saying about about JJ in this moment. Yeah, and I I'll just always remember my first viewing of Force Awakens and some of the emotional journeys of just like uh, with Han and his death being like just kind of into the story at that point, mm-hmm. really starting to wonder when Luke was going to show up. And having gone into the film, really feeling like, yeah, that uh, I'm looking forward to this film where Han Solo is going to die. And just completely during the film, forgetting about it until he's like, uh, Chewie, you go up there, I'll go down here. I'm like, oh, no. All right. <laughs> yeah. There's like a huge like, oh, yeah, uh, that I'd, for, I'd known this and I'd forgotten this, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then with this moment, it really was the it shakes in the snow and is like, wow, this is Luke. And you know how, mm. how your thoughts can go so much faster than reality? Like yep. in those seconds I had like, oh, it's going to, I can see him there in his in his cloak in the woods. That's great. How's Ray going to act about that? How's she going to feel? Like I had a, I had this, mm. uh, ha, you know, in conversation with myself in my mind in those seconds. And then when it landed in Ray's hand, you know, uh, with the rest of the audience, I erupted in applause and my mind was like, oh yeah, that's better. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, um, um, this could be in its own episode, so I don't want to uh, yeah. belabor it anymore. But, uh, you know, I've, I've had I've made reference to some of those conversations. I, I recently had I was at a birthday party for for uh, Emma Fife, the great Emma Fife, and uh, a couple months ago now. But I was having conversations with some folks younger um, and, and we're talking mid to late 20s. And they were just like they're Star Wars fans. And they're like, yeah, original trilogy doesn't hit for me as much as it does others. I, I've shown it to some of my friends and I don't know, it doesn't stand up. And 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 it's that kind of thought and those kind of folks and that's a little bit older that's mid to late 20s and so maybe your teen late teens early 20s when force awakens comes out but think of think of even younger you talk about baggage but they just don't they don't have that connection like we do it's mm-hmm. just that simple it's just that simple so uh when you say that people are like what do you talk about i always thought it was ray or always should have been ray yeah because that's that perspective of generation they don't connect those are those that's my dad older brothers or and uh, worst case scenario grandpa's hero <laughs> you know and and this is ours and it's just that simple yeah and and for me in that moment and now and and yeah i agree with you it could be a a whole long episode but uh, i suspect people still have various strong feelings about this Mm -hmm. i think this is for me where i why i really think about there's a difference between what might be satisfying to me as an isolated moment if completely detached from the rest of The Force Awakens, you told me there's going to be a moment where uh, people are in danger and the Skywalker blade flies to Luke Skywalker's hand. And I'd be like, that's great, amazing, beautiful. But then you place a moment that you'd enjoy as a moment in the context mm-hmm. of a story. And the reason I was immediately like, that's great, even though I'm a huge Luke Skywalker fan and wanted to, to, to have him enter in a triumphant moment. What, what, what's that story then that this entire time that we've watched (laughs) Ray and Finn try to turn around and face their fear and stand up for themselves and believe that they can do things themselves to just be like, yeah, don't worry about it. (laughs) You know, uh, and and that for me is why I continue to like what is actually there. And it's one of my favorite moments, you know, in star Wars period. Yeah. Yeah, really is. Well, let's talk, Mm. uh, excuse me, we kind of jumped ahead here a little bit. Let's get into some favorite moments of uh, thrill and emotion. I suspect the lightsaber flying to raise hand (laughs) might be one of them for us. But uh, where do you go in your list of favorite moments and beats from the fight? Yeah, if we were just Star Wars ranking this moment, that Hero's Blade moment would be in the Hall of Fame, right? Uh, 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 Absolutely. I'll say before I'll highlight it here, don't need to go too deep in it. I just, I love um, angry, hurt Kylo. 
I just, I just love everything about it. Cause it, it, it's slightly bizarre, right? When you, especially when you first see it, he's like, he's punching himself and the blood and you know, Ray, it's a choice. Ray looks down. They show the close up of the blood, the good pickup mm-hmm. shot. Like it's very clear. And then the bowcaster and all the things we set up with some of the comedy earlier with the bowcaster into the, the moment. Yeah. But it's all, it all means so much more. It's, it's all there. And, and uh, I don't, I just, I just, I just love it. It, it. You know what I mean? Like it, it's kind of an awkward moment. Like, what are you doing, buddy? But I just love yeah. it. It really sets the tone for what's coming. I think it's just a great uh, physicalization of what is happening to Kylo is, hey, I expected this horrific act to center me, to remove my trauma. Instead, I metaphorically ripped my own soul apart. And mm-hmm. now instead of a metaphor, Chewie ripped his gut apart. Yeah. <laughs> the Uncle Chewie. Uh, with the bowcaster, right? Um, and I think that he's trying to project to himself, to uh, Ray and Finn, that he's powerful, that he's in control, and he's got this soul wound. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and he's trying. I think that I think that punch is just being like, you, you know what? Uh, I can handle any amount of pain. The dark side mm-hmm. is. Uh, pain and fear and this doesn't hurt me I'm not hurt boom 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 right and it feels like um, like his intent from his perspective is to further terrorize them right and show how in control he is even even a massive gut wound can't stop the great Kylo Ren I'm fine and what he's actually projecting to them is like the hell are you doing you weird (laughs) monster punching your own blood into the snow you know Uh, I think it is a great, to me, just physical story yeah. of what's going on in his soul, but also the disconnect between what he is trying to project and what is being received by the yeah. people he's trying to project to. Yeah, and it's a great point, too, and it kind of raised response. I think that's one of the times she uses monster, um, mm-hmm. which is one of her favorite uh, words about about Kylo and Ben, and I think it's a, a great word because it's really apt. Yeah, it's also, it's not exactly a one-for-one comparison, but it's not unlike a little bit of uh, Keaton. Uh, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. He's just <laughs> kind of losing. It really is, and there's that initial punch with the blood in the snow that's tracked down, but then there's the, the break in the fight with... Uh, Finn, where he's clearly in pain, right? He's clearly hurting, you know. And there's a real like he's been he's been told to walk off an ankle injury, right? And he's like he's he's pounding it like doesn't hurt, doesn't hurt. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay. It is. uh, This is an advertisement for uh, taking care of yourself, listening to your body and your and and mental (laughs) mental health needs. This is definitely. I'm 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 not even joking. This is a take care of yourself. Take care of yourself, Ben. Kylo Ren's PSA for self care. That's that's a great one. Uh, yeah, so that that's a huge one. Uh, one of the my favorite moments in the setup to the fight is the yell of traitor at mm-hmm. Finn, right? Um, I continue to enjoy that, but it's really fun to think about it back in 2015 when uh, uh, we had been having discussions about looking at the prequels differently, enjoying them much more, appreciating them more, and uh, and I'm sure that was bubbling up other places in the pop culture conversation. But in terms of like the kind of big picture uh, understanding the prequels had yet to have the Renaissance that they're enjoying now. Mm. And a lot of the verbiage, even from the publicity was like, look, we're doing things real, not CGI Mm -hmm. kind of just whispering. Don't worry. It's going to be more like the original trilogy, not like the prequels. So in that world to find something in uh, force awakens, I was like, that's total prequel stuff to have, Mm. To have Kylo yell, 
in mm. his grandfather's voice, that petulant, broken, liar, traitor connection mm-hmm. was just electrifying in the theater to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it, 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 uh, it, it 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 had an impact. It caused a little waves, even 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 in me. And I'm in a much more you know at that point even was in a much more positive place for the prequels. But uh, it, yeah, the, the, you're right that it kind of been the narrative. And it, what, you know, remember, because there was a conversation around Celebration 2015. If they they didn't do a lot with the prequels here, I was there. I don't know if that's 100 percent true, but also it's not a whole lie. Like it, it, the prequels weren't on full display in 2015 at Celebration. Uh, again, I, the day-to-day, minute-by-minute details, I don't recall. But that just kind of was the narrative that emerged. And to have that moment, it was kind of, a, uh, you know, not so fast, not so fast. Yeah, yeah. And, and it was one of those great moments where like, oh, the, this character Kylo is powerful because he represents all these different uh, significant characters from the mm-hmm. Skywalker saga. And it was great yep. to see that, like, oh, wow, he is, uh, there's some Anakin. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah. So what are some other uh, favorite moments of thrill or emotion for you? I, I, uh, Finn picking up that blade, picking up for Ray, and even the little details buried in the snow, and he kind of grabs it and shakes off the snow a little bit. And, look, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, one day maybe we get to see or, or read, but I hope to see uh, Finn uh, pick up that blade uh, Again, for himself, his own blade, and, and I'd love to see some of that. I, I totally agree with that there. Uh, but this was a, 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 a lovely little moment, and I love him standing up. And I know there's uh, some uh, understandable and I think correct uh, kind of conversations around the marketing and how that was used, and, and, and Boyega's have been uh, wonderfully uh, vocal about that. I, I agree with that, all that stuff. But going to just the moment in the film, him picking up that, that, that blade and the determination on his face, Especially, you know, he's been running for a lot of the film. I really love it. I think it's powerful. A lot of things with Finn um, are really, really powerful when you're looking for it. And, and I really uh, love that one. Yeah, me too. And um, talking about like the actual narrative of the fight and what's going on in it, right? Finn mm-hmm. makes this brave choice. And the way he ignites that blade is that like, I don't care uh, what's going to come out of this. This is the right thing to do. And I'm doing the right thing. This is the exact you know, choice I made when I didn't fire in those villagers for you, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm standing up to you and it is, it's, it's great. It's a great moment. Uh, But then in the way the actual fight is constructed is, you know, Kylo who's in emotional and physical duress uh, easily takes it to Finn, right? Just Mm -hmm. very, very quickly uh, uh, knocks him down In, in the, the kind of the narrative of the fight is Kylo's just, playing with Finn and it's great bravery of Finn to stand up to him. Uh, mm-hmm. But kind of, I think an answer to the, to the people who like, well, how could Finn stand up to Kylo? I'm like, well, he doesn't. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, in a, in a couple specific moments that I like in that narrative that show both um, Kylo's kind of not taking him, him seriously uh, and Finn's bravery. Um, I love that moment where in the first little phrase of their fight, Kylo knocks uh, Finn down and he turns around and he he does the 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 gut pound and then Finn gets up quite quickly and there's that great moment of Kyle like oh what <laughs> he's yeah. getting up I should pay attention. like his whole body language changes he's like oh yeah I should uh, this isn't done yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I should I, I should the that toy I was playing with got back up I had better pay attention <laughs> you know yeah uh, that's a great moment. Yeah, and then uh, also in that fight, uh, I think the the shoulder exchange uh, between them, I, I really love. Yeah. It's obviously it's it's uh, painful uh, to see Finn in in pain, uh, but the shoulder burn to Finn is great because you know you use those cross guards is great to see them used offensively uh, and to yeah. see them you know kind of a 
a million jokes, uh, social media jokes were answered that, yes, mm-hmm. those are dangerous. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm glad you put that in there. I put that in there as well with the note that it might be a little dark, but but Kylo Burnin Finn's shoulder just was a little of that real raw thing that sometimes, uh, you know, some of us clamor for in, in Star Wars, whatever that mm-hmm. means. I don't know, but it was there. It does, yeah, the cross guard debate. Oh, oh, if you don't remember, children, if there's gather around, uh, 2014, <laughs> uh, lightsaber was debated for a long time. As to that, and it's just, yeah, it was just something kind of new, too, and uh, I like that. And uh, so, yeah, sorry, buddy. Sorry, Finn, that it hurts, but I, I like it. Yeah, and, and it combines, it, to me, it successfully raised the stakes because this is a terrifying place. This is a terrifying, uh, Kylo's a terrifying uh, person to face, and, and making the stakes real uh, makes this fight really emotionally effective to me. I do also like that that Finn does get the shot in on yeah. on Kylo's shoulder, right? Because it, it mm-hmm. shows that Kylo is off his game, not taking Finn seriously. And I really like the narrative of this, like, well, Finn gets a shot in. That's great. That's good for Finn. And then once he gets that shot in, Kylo's like, okay, well, I'm done playing. You're done. Yes, yes. It's so fast and definitive. And it really reads as like, oh, I have to take him seriously and stop him right now. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And the brutality level raises, yep. Yep, yep, which again is is hard to watch, but uh, you know, for me it, it works narratively and and like you said, a lot to talk about with Finn. There's so much that I love about Finn's journey, but that still leaves plenty of room for uh understanding critiques and wishing for some maybe some different things uh myself as well. Uh but do celebrate Finn being being the hero here. Uh mm-hmm. where do you go once we get into the Ray and Kylo phrase of the fight? Where do you go for favorite moments? I, I put this, this, this might be a cheat because it might be a lot of general stuff, but there's a lot of them, uh, and this is post the Hero's Blade. We can talk about that as as much as we want, uh, obviously. But um, there's just kind of both of them running, I call, I'll call it running and gunning through the environment. He's kind of chasing her in the kind of the little rock uh, formation area. She's, uh, I love when she slices that tree that's kind of in mm-hmm. front of him. And I can't remember if that's one of the digital trees they added. I, I can't remember that. It's been a while since I watched the BTS stuff there. Um, Kylo just kind of swinging a heavy blade. Like his swings are just like, he's just, just taking a baseball bat and trying to hit a home run. He's just like, just like a lot of heavy swings. And, uh, and that includes race Palpatine strike, which could be its own moment, of course. But it's just, I, I love that part of the fight. It just, it, it just kind of switches gears a little bit there. And just a lot of little things I love. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we talked about it a, a lot, but I want to be sure to celebrate it. Uh, not in terms of uh, what could be, it could have been, or you know, mm-hmm. all that you know, debate about the could could the saber have gone to Luke? Could that have been the intention of uh, making some people think that? I also want to be sure to just really celebrate the moment as it is, as it mm-hmm. is in the film. That saber going to Ray, like I said, huge cheer moment. But I also love, like, there's a little bit of a challenge of, like, Finn just ignited the blade in a very similar shot, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you make it different? And it's, to me, it's the emotion. Finn's got that, like, I'm doing this. I'm I'm done running. I'm I'm fighting back, right? Yeah. And we, the audience, have this elation, right, of, like, yeah, Kylo doesn't own and control everything. The blade was calling to Rey. It went to her she is getting past her fear and accepting it kylo having to dodge out of the way because the saber is going so fast mm-hmm. <laughs> is great so there's all these these things about it that are so triumphant and then the look on her face is like oh, yeah. i guess i have to ignite it then yeah. <laughs> right uh the, yeah. the build up to it in the ignition which is sort of like frame wise is, is very similar to what we just saw with finn but it's entirely different 
because of the emotion and kind of going through all of those, like, I'm still scared, but I know I have to do this. I can't say no to this. And then to have all of that build to a poking, screaming charge <laughs> <laughs> is really great. So that whole phrase and, and yeah. everything that happens in it from the triumph to the uncertainty to the poking charge is just, you know, a, a great emotional roller coaster. Yeah. And the, the blade flying, uh, I love Kylo kind of being like, whoa, you know, he thought he was going to get it in, but just, yeah, you're right. I, I think the the way Daisy Ridley played it, I think it's one of her fine, finest moments in, in the three films is just that shock, but also yes, but what am I going to do? All right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to put the blade out. Like it's, it's just a lot going on in that moment. And the music, the music cue is really great. So it is what it is. Yeah. A great moment. Absolutely great moment. And yeah, then then I feel like, you know, Ray kind of pokes at him, slashes at him, and then Kylo's just kind of chasing her, right? I yes. mean, yeah. Uh, and, and I do love lots of beats. I love uh, when they're in the rocks and she kind of leaps away from him twice and he cuts at her twice. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm driving past these two great grunts. Like, rrr, rrr. <laughs> <laughs> and then that, that log cuts kind of, it's hard to beat. It's very yeah. cool. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. Mm. And then as they get toward the the end of that that first chunk of their fight, I always really love that sort of a back and forth a, a lock at the chasm where you know mm. Kylo pushes yeah. forward, Ray pushes back. Uh, it's really making use of the the cross guard to really catch the Skywalker blade and kind of hold it in that locked position. But I even the even the way the the camera follows them as there's the push forward, the push back, and then back again with Kylo is just like great kinetic energy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what are uh, other moments in the sort of a wrap up of the fight for you? Yeah, there's a great moment with Kylo's theme kind of taking over the vibe, right? It's kind of during the stuff mm. you talk about here, this run and gun attempt. And, and uh, Kylo's theme, I think, I think it's kind of uh, underrated, you know, whether it's just his full on theme or the first order theme, you know, I understand that the discussion maybe, but it just, it, you hear it and you associate it with Kylo. And mm-hmm. I just really love where, you know, Ray seems to be losing a little ground and, and it kind of sets up uh, for the big finish. So I love that. Uh, I love Ray kicking Kylo down. She got that great kick, which just, uh, you know, makes me think of that, the scavenger on the, uh, the streets of uh, Jakku there. Uh, so mm-hmm. you talk about her kind of really finding her style, finding who she is. It, it all factors in. So I love that there too. Yeah. Yeah. There's a ton of great stuff. I, I think uh, for me, the, the whole moment where she is uh, reminded that she isn't alone, right. Uh, mm-hmm. That she is connected to something larger and to follow uh, Maz's, guidance in that moment and open herself up to the force that's the everything about that is great but my favorite moment in that is uh you know we go into the slow-mo which i love because mm-hmm. that was inventive and different and you know not being a, uh, afraid to try something new in a in a lightsaber fight in a star wars movie um but coming out of it to ray opening her eyes and just having that absolute certainty that she didn't have when she ignited the blade, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That moment with the great classic, you know, force theme is um, when when in my life the force as an analogy has helped me, that's the feeling, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, we've seen it in Luke before, too, right? Uh, when he uh, lifts 3 in the, in the Ewok village, right? His eyes open, and there's just that that calm and that certainty. Yeah, The certainty in Ray's eyes in this scene is has, has got a little bit more energy to it <laughs> bit, than bit. calm. But it's the certainty. It's that sort of like taking a deep breath, mm. checking in with yourself, pushing past the fear, 
in finding this resolve that you're like, I know who I am and I know I can do this. And when the forces and analogy has helped me in life, that's what it feels like. And it's in that shot. And I just love it so much. Yeah. That, 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 yeah. Now I love everything about it. And, and it's a very direct moment. And I, I remember having discussions even off air with pals back in 2015 that, I don't know, maybe sometimes when something's so direct, uh, People have an issue with that. You know, it's like Kylo Kylo's going the force and she goes, Ooh, the force. And then this happens. I, I just love it because it is that, because it is that simple, because we all kind of forget it. We need those reminders. And you're right. Uh, the little close, the slow motion. Uh, it's a great sequence. And, and I think in, you know, when you're editing a greatest hits of star Wars years from now, or even now you can put that in there. In fact, I remember even seeing like this kind of moment at the Hollywood bowl and Williams is playing her theme. It's all there. It's a big moment for her, and it's a big moment for uh, many generations of Star Wars fans. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, maybe we should end on that triumphant moment, but I'm going to throw one more out there. Uh, <laughs> I love uh, I love the slow-mo Kylo stumble after Ray's shoulder poke. Yes. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, no. That whole phrase is, uh, of the fight, that last phrase is him being just sort of, like, shocked that mm-hmm. this has, a, you know, a true her connection to the Force has truly awakened in this moment, right? And being just utterly shocked to be so off his game. Um, but just great uh, Adam Driver performance. There's something about kind of slow motion. That slow motion kind of like flips the entire fight where the beginning was like Kylo was this unstoppable force in the woods and now Rey is because she's just kind of continuing to advance on him. And it's almost like, a, I wonder if the editors just looked at it and like, Adam Driver's stumble is so hmm. compelling we need to spend a little bit more time with that. Slow it down. <laughs> Slow it down. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Mm. Yeah, absolutely mm. great. Any other moments you want to talk about before we wrap up? Just a final one, final one. Uh, Ray's kind of flurry and flare at the end when she cuts Kylo down, right? Um, I know there's a couple beats to it, but the final one. Uh, that was uh, an applaud moment for me and a lot of folks in the audience on a lot of my early screens of Force Awakens. And therefore, I just think it's effective. I think it's kind of cool, especially from where she starts the fight or where she starts this movie. But it's very much her. It is very much Ray on the streets of Jakku. It is very much where she is headed. And uh, I just kind of love that little victory moment. Yeah, absolutely. It was a great uh, cheering moment when I saw it in the theater. It was a great kind of finishing move that wasn't... Um, cutting a limb off uh, but instead mm-hmm. scarring which you know is also something that was a uh, great to have a little bit of variety but i did want to ask you when you first saw the film did you did you think a that she cut his hand off when she battered down uh and did you have even a moment where like well that's it he's done he's dead <laughs> i uh no i didn't i didn't um I think, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not going to give myself credit. This isn't me uh, smart in the moment. I just think it happened so fast that I didn't, uh, I didn't, I didn't take it in those directions, not even a limb. Um, and then before this shot of his, of his, of his face, I, I just, yeah, it kind of took it as, as it was. But again, that's, that's me stumbling onto the right answer, not knowing it back then. Yeah. I think just, I was so immersed in limb loss. It was like, did she just cut his hand off or like just his thumb? <laughs> yeah. And I, obviously if you watch the film closely, she batters the actual blade, which is why, yeah. you know, he doesn't have to repair that blade or anything like that, the hilt or anything. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Great mm-hmm. move. Great move. Always been curious if you thought uh, that you, yeah. is that a limb much. removal? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. My final uh, question here, Ken, is uh, if the chasm had not opened up between Ray and Kylo separating them in that moment, what do you think might've happened? All right, so you, you sneak this question here at the end, and I'm sitting there this morning watching this fight a couple times, and I'm like, "Ooh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna 
pull this uh, string out here. I'm going to see where this goes here. And I have a couple thoughts, uh, but it ends up this. I'm going to jump to my answer. Um, the same thing. <laughs> uh, I think Kylo begs for his life by offering her power and a place. He kind of continues that train of uh, BS. Uh, it, it, it's a little bit of a whimpering begging for his life, but in this like, no, 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 you don't want to do that. You want to look, I can help you. I can help you. You, you're pretty good, but Hey, look at you. Look at you. You're pretty good, but you're not going to get better unless you have me around. And I think Ray, but this time maybe there's a little bit more of the energy of, of, of what he did to Han, a little bit more of that. Is she, is she going to kill him? I don't know. I don't, I don't think she knows what to do with that, all that yet. Um, the mm-hmm. connection with Kylo is different here than what will be later on with them, of course. But I, so I don't think she really, you know, she's not going to stab him in the heart. But don't forget, I still think Chewbacca shows up. And I still think Finn goes, uh, Ray goes to Finn because that's, that's the thing that was driving her, mm-hmm. right? And I think she goes back. Defeating Kylo is not the victory condition here. It, 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 saving Finn is one of the things. There's a thematic stuff we talked about too. But so I think she might have this moment of, ah, right. But then, oh, wait, Finn. And Chewie's still showing up. The world's still imploding, and I think we're in the same spot. Yeah, no, I think in the big picture, I totally agree with you. I love the idea that that Kylo would pivot toward uh, trying to manipulate her more. Because, yeah, I think Kylo keeps fighting, right? Uh, mm-hmm, he's, mm-hmm. he's in... He's shocked in in physical trauma, but I think he is still, you know, the kind of character in this moment who's going to stumble towards like getting what he wants. So, uh, yeah, I love the idea that Eddie Brand had her maybe kind of try to get up and keep fighting. But I totally agree that Ray is like, okay, I stopped him. He's no longer a threat to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to get Finn. I need to get out of here. So I think if the chasm hadn't opened up, I, I don't think it would have been um, glamorous. I think it works better uh, the way yeah. it is in the film. But I think that Kylo would have ranted, maybe tried to get up. And I think uh, I think Ray would have bonked him on the head with the hilt of the Skywalker blade and just knocked him out cartoon style. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Floating stars and convors uh, around his head, and he he conks out because yeah, it's I like, think that is yeah. Sorry, it's like she's no. she's uh, Wyatt Earp and Tombstone, and just instead of uh, you know, she just takes the, the 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 hilt of the gun and hits Billy Bob Thornton. What are you going to do? Just stand there and bleed? <laughs> Yeah, because I don't, I don't think she's anywhere near murdering him, right? No, like, no, um, I, no. I, I think that she has let this power in, and she is, um, uh, you know, feeling her strength and her connection at, to the Force, and determined to stop him. And, and I love that. Yeah, she looks pretty ferocious, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's still Ray, and she's not gonna just uh, lash out in in total violence and anger. But I also like that you can see how this fight. And doing this amount of damage to a person to just slash their face open mm. would make her go to Luke and say, uh, this has always been here, but it's awake now and I'm a little scared of it. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. No, I think yeah. that's a great point, especially where the, where the story goes. Yeah. this I have this power. Ooh, boy. Whoa, that was something. Yeah. I unleashed it. I defeated him. I, I got out of there. That's good. But hey, when I, uh, when I fully uh, uh, embraced my power, the entire world opened up. <laughs> Should I be concerned about that? Obviously not her fault, but as a, a visual yeah. metaphor, uh, mm-hmm. pretty great. Mm-hmm. All right. So out of 10 lightsabers fully ignited, how many lightsabers do you personally give this big duel in The Force Awakens? This is a great fight. This is one of the best in a lot of ways. Um, it has... The only deductions come from maybe uh, the, the the length of the fight, which is not something I'm going to hold against it too much. So I'm going a solid 8 out of 10. 
Yeah, I went as high as 9 out of 10, perhaps nice. shocking. Because, yeah, I think as, like, uh, what's the coolest, most epic, fastest uh, lightsaber mm-hmm. fight? You know, I think it is It is a little shorter. It is, I think, trying to create a really exciting scene uh, yeah. that is built out of a wounded, stumbling, broken expert lightsaber fighter and two young people who are who are finding themselves. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's appropriate that it's not, you know, uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin, you know? Yep. Um, but, but I acknowledge it's a little shorter. Um, but I think there is still moments of like invention and thrill, but I rate it so high because I love the setting. Uh, I, I love the aesthetic and I love just how powerful the narrative is. And it's just satisfying to watch again and again on a storytelling level. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Awesome. Well, in that case, that is our episode. Ken, where can people find us? Oh, thank you for listening, everybody. We are the Force Center podcast feed. We are on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram as well. Same uh, name there. On YouTube, we are doing uh, fun live Q&As, monthly other programming on the way, and we rebroadcast the episodes there. If you'd like to listen to us in another format, yes, on those rebroadcasts, you don't see our faces. You just hear our voices. So sorry. So sorry. But hey, if you want, give us a sub over there. Uh, and uh, hit those notification bells and buttons and all those YouTube things you got to do there. Help us grow that channel. Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. We're available on Acast, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and a lot more. Just search. You'll find us. If you're on Apple Podcasts, you want to give us a rating and review, we'd really appreciate that. Spotify as well, I guess. Merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. And you can support us directly at patreon.com slash Force Center. From there, you get into our Discord and to discuss Star Wars with Force Center friends every day. You can follow me at CatNapsock or go to my website, CatNapsock.com for more Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings, House of Dragon, all that stuff is coming. Check out my show, Casterly Talk, linking from that website. Joseph, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me on all the social media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. And you can check out my website for all my other comedy adventures, comedy albums, a book I wrote about 10 years ago now, uh, my other podcast, Obsessed. And uh, the live shows page has details about some shows, some performances I'm doing at the great convention in Minneapolis, Convergence, coming up here uh, very, very soon. So I should wrap up this podcast and get back to working on those shows. All that information is on my website at josephsgrimshot.com. But for now, for myself, for Ken, for Kylo's wounds, both physical and emotional, this has been Force. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.